When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome one and all to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Now, some of you may not have noticed, but I'm a comedian. And uh, it's right there on my taxes. And as such, I've got a lot of comedy idols, many of whom I've had the honor to meet thanks to this job right over there. Steve Martin, uh, John Cleese, Elmo. He just tickles me. But I've got a new comedy idol. Thank you. And my new comedy idol is Volodymyr Zelensky. Now, normally, he was a comedian. Very successful comedian for many years. Normally, normally I'm against electing comedians to political office. And keep in mind, I ran for president twice. But this guy is inspiring the world with his courage in the face of the Russian invasion. And last night, he took his bravery to a brand new level of badassery. In a speech to the Ukrainian people, he declared that despite numerous assassination attempts against him in just the last two weeks, he's not going anywhere. Now I will say one thing. I stay here. I stay in Kyiv on Benkova Street. I'm not hiding, and I'm not afraid of anyone. That is so brave. I am personally inspired by his example. And I just want to see Vladimir Putin. I'm not afraid of you either. If you're looking for this comedian, I'm at the Ed Sullivan Theater on Broadway in Manhattan. <laughs> Five hours ago. We pre-taped the show. My name, sir, and write this down, is James Corden. <laughs> this was the first time. I don't care. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> this was the first time since the invasion that Zelensky addressed the nation from his presidential office, but he started with a West Wing-style walk-and-talk. Here is the evening, Kiev. Our office, Monday evening. You know, we used to say, Monday is a hard day. There is a war in the country, so every day is Monday. Beautiful and relatable words. Of course, Zelensky didn't write that himself. He's quoting famed Ukrainian poet, Garfieldomir Dukatsky. <laughs> Zelensky. People love big Garfieldomir fans. Big fans. Zelensky has begged the Western powers to ramp up the economic pain on Russia. And this morning, Joe Biden dished out the biggest dose yet. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. Take that, Vlad. America doesn't need your klepto crude. 
America, America is perfectly happy to stay home and frack ourselves blind. <laughs> this is another massive blow to the Russian economy, and Biden reminded Americans just how much damage we've done to them already. The Russian ruble is now down to 50%. By 50% since Putin's announced his war, one ruble is now worth less than one American penny. One ruble is less than one American penny. And let me tell you, Jackoff, <laughs> that one penny, no, no. I'm serious. I'm not joking here. That penny, it ain't worth it used to be. Okay, back in Scranton in, in 19, I forget about it. A shiny, a shiny Abe would get you two tickets to see the Rialto for a talky old Chucky Chaplin giving the Kaiser the what for with the old good plenties. <laughs> you still have. <laughs> still have enough left over to go to Luncheonette to have a hearty bowl of twine soup. <laughs> more and more. More and more companies are saying net to doing business in Russia. The latest is McDonald's, which earlier today announced they're temporarily closing restaurants and pausing all operations in Russia. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Russia just became a no-fry zone. <laughs> now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hitting them hard. Now Russians will be forced to do the unthinkable. Dine at Russian Arby's. We have the beats. <laughs> to lash out. Crispy curls and coke. To lash out at a reasonable world that hates Putin's grotesque war crimes. Yesterday, Russia released a list of unfriendly countries, including Australia, Great Britain, Canada, South Korea, and the United States. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Not an unfriendly list. This is the most devastating attack since Fidel Castro put JFK in his burn book. <laughs> Meow. Wow. And it's not, it's not just the major powers. Putin's list also includes tiny countries like Andorra, San Marino, and Micronesia. <laughs> That's true what they say. The enemy of my enemy is Micronesia. In addition, wow. thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. I like that. Thank you. Thank you very much. We we want a Peabody. In addition, <laughs> in addition to being awesome, classifying a country as unfriendly is also an economic maneuver, allowing the Russian government companies and citizens to temporarily pay foreign debts in rubles. No, not rubles. Rubles are worthless now. This is like when your neighbor breaks your lawnmower and then tries to pay you back in Dave bucks. It's not money if I can only use it in your house, Dave. <laughs> Zelensky's not the only inspiring Ukrainian out there. Ordinary people there have given us so many images of hope amid the hardship, like this video of a little girl in a bomb shelter in Kyiv singing the Russian version of Let It Go. <laughs> That little girl is amazing. Wow. She is. That's incredible. That is... That's incredible. She's the only person on the planet who could make every parent I know say, let's listen to Let It Go again. <laughs> She's also incredibly brave. She is risking the anger of the only force scarier than the Russian army, 
Disney lawyers. <laughs> They'll find you. They will find you. <laughs> the policy in Ukraine is that while men aged 18 to 60 need to stay and fight, women and children can leave. But as the war escalates, more women are returning to the fight as well. Like this group of moms who had a very tough message for Russia. We are women of Ukraine. We have blessed our men to protect our land. We have already taken our children to safety. We join the men and the Ukrainian army. Putin, you done messed up now. You made the moms mad! You made mom mad! You can't make mom mad! That is too dangerous. Nobody, everybody knows, everybody knows don't make moms mad. Moms were built for conflict. They can find anything, they can eat dinner under 20 seconds, and they know exactly what you're doing, even if you're upstairs and completely silent. If they use Putin's middle name, it is over. Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin, you get down here right now, young man. Because I have an AK-47, and I will shoot you in the face. <laughs> it's fitting uh, to watch that video on International Women's Day. And invasion or not... <laughs> and invasion or not, the men of Ukraine are still marking the occasion. Today, by the way, is the 8th of March, and this is the Women's Day. The, the, the day is pretty mm. much very a lot celebrated in Ukraine. And today, the, some men from the Territorial Defense Unit, they came to the bomb shelter with a lot of flowers. The guys just brought it uh, to us. That's beautiful. Flowers in the middle of a war zone. American men, American men, you got to step it up. The women in your life will no longer be satisfied with your traditional gift for International Women's Day, saying, hey, turns out there's an International Women's Day. Are you... Are you international? You're national, right? You're not international. I didn't miss anything, did I, right? Because you, you live here. <laughs> so many Ukrainian citizens are doing their part to resist Putin's aggression. Case in point, over the weekend, when an advisor to the Ukrainian government tweeted, in Kyiv, a woman knocked down a Russian drone from a balcony with a jar of cucumbers. How did they expect to occupy this country? That's right! Ukrainian... Ukrainian grandmothers... <laughs> Ukrainian grandmothers have we weaponized pickles, and they're not gherking around. Here's the dilio messing with Ukraine, and they will relish the opportunity to hit you with a pickle spear, or even worse, drop a tactical cuke. Ah. Yeah. Cornishon. One wrinkle, nobody was able to verify the pickle story. And a lot of people wrote it off as an urban legend. But then the Ukrainian news site Liga.net did the Pulitzer and Pickle-worthy journalism and tracked the woman down. It turns out, sadly, the story was not true. The woman wants to set the record straight. Those were not pickled cucumbers. She actually knocked down the Russian drone with a jar of pickled tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes. means I gotta update my jokes. Putin's never gonna catch up when the beefsteaks are this high. There's marinari a chance he can stop the air-looming insurgency. It's time to show him the pomodoro so he can bruschette out of here. Tomato, tomato, invado, ivado. He should just call the whole war off. 
We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up. Meanwhile. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. John, I hold my hands right here. I got the cards, uh, the questions here for uh, two extraordinary guests. Uh, John C. Riley is going to be out here in just a moment. He's in the new, uh, new Adam McKay thing, uh, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, and just an absolute Broadway treasure, national treasure, Kristen Chenoweth is going to be out here. How do you, how do you fit this much into one show? How do we do it? Volume. Folks, I spend most of my time right over there assembling the day's biggest, most important stories, then hand-shaping them into sleek, elegant bodywork, which I line with only the finest, most topical, polished Macassar ebony and open-pore Paldau veneer, adding light moccasin and dark spice leather seats and Malabar teak wood to set off sculpted minimalist switchgear accompanied by a sterling silver humidor and champagne cellarette, then... Handset 1600 fiber optic lights aligned with pinpoint perforations in the roof line to create for you the bespoke coach built Rolls Royce swept tail that is my monologue. But sometimes, sometimes, folks, sometimes I just, I just shriek awake in the scrapyard of a derelict machine shop, scavenge a 3.6 horsepower Briggs and Stratton lawnmower engine, bully a dog into giving me its frisbee to use the steering wheel, then I briefly consider but decide against swiping the brake pads off an unattended hearse because where I'm going, we don't need brakes. I hook it all up to a rusty Dollar Tree shopping cart, shotgun a white claw, no law on the claw, spray paint my teeth and blast off on the Fury Road thug buggy of news that is my segment. Meanwhile, no law on the claw. Spray <laughs> paint those teeth. Meanwhile, a box of human heads was stolen in Denver. Yet another story straight from the smile file. The heads were destined for scientific research, everyone keeps telling me. And the CEO of the company that was shipping the head says, this is an extremely rare situation. <laughs> Did you hear that? Rare. Not unprecedented. <laughs> we lost another box of heads, guys. Somebody set the days without getting a box of heads stolen sign back to zero. We gotta... We gotta uh. And the more anyone talks about this story, the weirder it gets. For instance... Whoever took them could face some unexpected charges as well. The theft of human heads in a box could be anywhere from a petty offense to a felony if the value of the heads in total is above $2,000. Who does that appraisal? I really do not want to see that episode of Antiques Roadshow. 
Well, I mean, I get that there's sentimental value, but I can't help but notice there's a little wear around the neck, and obviously it would have more cachet if it was still paired with its original body. Um, <laughs> do you know where your grandmother got it? <laughs> As of now, the heads are still at large, and authorities say if you find the box of heads discarded or abandoned, you're asked to call the Denver police. Well, yeah. <laughs> Who finds a box of human heads and says, I don't see why this needs to go any further? <laughs> Meanwhile, Dr. Oz has accused his sister of stealing millions from him. Gosh, Dr. Oz, someone abused your trust for profit? That must feel awful. <laughs> you know what I hear cures that feeling? Green coffee bean extract. <laughs> Meanwhile, Meanwhile, in Frankfort, Kentucky, everyone is fine, but the Buffalo Trace Distillery was evacuated after workers found a World War II incendiary bomb, and it's unknown how long the bomb was there. It's gonna be hard to figure that out because of all the different major World War II battles that were fought in Franklin County, Kentucky. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've all become familiar with rockets being shaped like penises, and some are looking to bring equality to the space space because a German feminist art group has revealed a vulva-shaped spaceship concept. Yes. There it is. Unfortunately, many male astronauts are still having trouble finding the controls. Just ask, guys. Just ask. Communication is the key. Meanwhile, a dinosaur fossil discovery may be the oldest stegosaur ever found. And if CBS's demographic research is accurate, that stegosaurus is watching this television show right now. <laughs> Thanks for staying up, Steggy. <laughs> Meanwhile, a Canadian movie theater with 13 seats has been officially named the world's smallest cinema. And yet, they still couldn't fill it for one screening of The Last Duel. <laughs> None of you saw it. <laughs> Meanwhile, in legal news, up in Maine, a county courthouse will soon have a dedicated courthouse therapy dog meant to be a calming presence in a stressful environment. And I hope it works out better than Maine's last idea, the courthouse comfort clown. Coming up, John C. O'Reilly. Hey, everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life, almost, feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives, is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest this evening 
has starred in some of your favorite movies, including Boogie Nights, Chicago, and Step Brothers. He now plays the man who created the NBA's Showtime Lakers in the new HBO series Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Please welcome back to The Late Show, John C. Riley. Nice to see you again. It's a pleasure to be here, Stephen. And you haven't been here since uh, 2018. Yes, before the Great Plague. Yeah, something yeah. I said, something I did. Did I upset you? Why? Why has it been four years, John? No, Wiley? you know, I was just watching you at home at your desk at home for a while there, yeah. and, and now we're all lucky to be here together, Isn't right? Isn't this lovely? Yeah. Lovely people. Now. Uh, listen, I understand uh, that you've got a, evidently, you know, Oscar season is here, and you've got a real shot this yes, year. Yes, I am. There's a lot of buzz. I've been campaigning for uh, for the Oscars. I am in an Oscar-nominated picture this year. Which one? For, which one is this again? It's called Licorice Pizza. Okay. Yes. I did not, not do not necessarily remember you having a big part in that. You didn't. You might have blinked during my scene because okay. it's literally that fast. But okay. I play Herman Munster in Licorice Pizza. And this, this, that's, and this, this is, is the evidence. There you go. There you are. You are. There I am. How long are you on screen? How long are you on screen? Uh, the camera passes by me quickly, but I think Cameo should be honored by the Academy. Sure. And... Outstanding achievement in Cameo. Cameo, but also makeup. Did you, how long did it take to get well, into this, this situation it's, here? Well, it's interesting because Licorice Pizza was shot during the lockdown. Yeah. And there were all these rules, and one of the things that Paul Anderson did was he said, look, we're gonna have the actors have their costumes at home. They're gonna do their own hair and their own makeup, and they're just gonna come in. That way, they don't have to mess with these outer circles of contaminations. And I was, he's like, John, I want you to play Herman Munster. I was like, okay, cool. He's like, we're all doing our own makeup. I was like, Paul, that's a lot. It's Herman Munster. <laughs> like, I'm not a professional. He's like, it's fine. If, he, if it looks cheesy, it's fine. It's supposed to be kind of homemade anyway. And so I'm in there doing, <laughs> I was like, I was in a blind panic for this like blink of and you miss it part, but I was like, all right, I gotta get, I got a Frankenstein thing and I cut it out and put it on my head. And I got the green makeup and then I couldn't get the back of my neck in these other places. And, and Paul's kids helped me. Paul's little children, yes. There they are. <laughs> Ida, Jack, and Lucy all helping with my makeup. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, getting the spots I couldn't get in the back and everything. Anyway, it was adorable. That is adorable. So I, That's nice. It's yeah. a good look. I hope the Academy honors that. Yeah. And you're now starring in the HBO series Winning Time. Okay, you play Dr. Jerry Buss. I do. Okay, so who bought the Lakers in 1979 and really kind of changed the NBA. For the people who, who haven't, didn't follow what an impact that was, explain to them what, what Jerry did. Well, he not only changed the NBA, he changed the whole world of entertainment. You know, if you look at professional sports now, like, you know, like Jerry brought cheerleaders to professional basketball games. Lakers which, girls. Yeah, didn't exist before that. I mean, basically, before Jerry got involved in the game, it was like, Everyone thought it was an athletic event, like it was about rebounds and jock straps or something. And, and he was like, no, it's about entertainment. And when people come here, we wanted them to be happy and like, we're gonna have music and we're gonna have dancers. And, you know, like he was, <laughs> he, even something like as simple as like being in debt to the Great Western Bank, he's like, I'll name the stadium after you. How about that? He was the first guy so to he do that. that. Yeah, so now like all these stadiums that are named after companies, like he was the first one to do it. So anyway, yeah, he, he created kind of stadium entertainment in 1979, which at the time 
basketball was being beat in the television ratings by golf and bowling. Wow. Hard to imagine now, right? Wow. Well, here you are as, as Jerry Buss. There you are, right there. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, the actor playing uh, Magic Johnson right there. Quincy Isaiah. Quincy yeah. Isaiah, okay. I gotta ask you something. Can we put that back up there one more time, please, Jim? So here, here you are, right there. Yeah. Obviously, everyone knows that Tom Cruise does his own stunts. Mm -hmm. Do you do your own comb-over? Oh, well, I had some very talented people helping me with my comb-over, but Jerry did his own comb-over. Yeah. He had, apparently, like a case of uh, Aquanet at home at all times. <laughs> and you see it in the show. I think later in the episodes, you see me do it. I show how he, how, how he did it. But, uh, you know, when we shot the pilot, my hair was not that long, and I didn't have a mustache. And so we just made this little piece, and I put a fake mustache on. But then corona hit, and we had a, this long break. And by the time we got back into the season, my hair was like pandemic hair. You know, it was sure, like, sure, sure. hello, honey, sure. what's for breakfast? You know, like, and, uh, and I, I went in for my, and I grew a mustache. And I, and I went in for the fitting, and they were like, oh, here's the wig. And, and I was like, guys, I might be crazy here but I think I got this. Give me that brush. And I brushed it up and I brushed it over and like pulled it across and I'm like, oh my God, I don't need a wig. I, I have an actual comb over. How did it feel? How did you feel? It did you, felt did great. You, just... you know, I'm, you can see I'm losing some real estate up front. I'm not gonna try to hide that or as much as I can. I, I like hats, but... Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I realized like, oh, there's a reason people do this. Like, when you look at it from the front, it's all good, you know? <laughs> I mean, if they don't muss your hair up, sure. they'll never know. Like This camera, yeah. this camera's got the angle. We have a clip here. Do you, you want to set up what's happening in this clip? Uh, yeah, so everyone's kind of constantly underestimating Jerry at the beginning, and he's sort of saying, like, listen, I'll give you what you need, but leave the rest to me, and I make a pretty choice comment here at the end of our little discussion. Okay. Which Jim? we'll see. You're a businessman. You all want pee from a tree, but when you see the price, your sphincter puckers. <laughs> oh. All right. Bill, is this last year's budget? Yeah, we're still working on the new one. All right, well, don't bother. Jerry, I told you, when we drafted Johnson, all the other basketball was up to you, and I will give you whatever you need. Now take the week and come back to me about what that is. In the meantime, Maria, you leave the price tag and my beautiful sphincter up to me. There you go. Beautiful. Yeah. Really, really rolls off the tongue. That, that gesture is what really sells it. We have to take a quick break, uh, but stick around. When we come back, I'll ask John if he ever played ball. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Has this changed 
how you watch basketball now that you've sort of been like professionally inside the mind of an owner? Uh, well, you know, this guy's story is incredible. And when I was offered this part, I realized like, this is one of the greatest Americans I've ever read about. The guy started out in rural Wyoming in the depression with a single mother, and he ended up becoming like the king of LA. Along the way, got, went to college in Wyoming, got a, a master's and a doctorate in physical chemistry, worked for the aeronautics industry designing rocket trajectories for the government, started to teach chemistry at USC as a professor, then amassed this real estate profile when he realized, like, I want to make more money than a professor. And he traded, he traded, he paid half in cash and half in land deeds for the Lakers when he bought them, including the Chrysler building. He, like, slid that across the table. And then the first season, I mean, spoiler alert, uh, the first, <laughs> it's in the books, you know. Uh, <laughs> The first season, he not only he needed to double attendance at the games to break even at the end of the season, because you know basketball was really doing lousy. And he not only doubled attendance, he got into the playoffs. And well, I won't say the last part, but <laughs> incredibly, he pulled it off. Incredible. They, they won a few games. Yes, they won a few games. They won a few games. Now. But you do watch, I do watch games now and realize, like, wow, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of money at stake. The, the, the story involves a revolving door of uh, a lot of different coaches that, yes. that come in. And did, did you play ball? No. I've been called a waste of height. Mark Wahlberg called me a waste of height. Mm -hmm. Oh, did thanks, you Mark. Did you ever coach? Uh, no, I never coached, but when my boys were in Little League, I was the announcer. Can you give us a taste? Oh, yeah. A taste so my, the announcer, was, I made a whole fake personality for him. He was Ernie Bellavoce. <laughs> Welcome to Donnelly Field for today's matchup between the East Altadena Red Stars and whatever it is, you know. And I would make about, I had this whole fake voice. I had organ hits that I would play on little key, like, dun, 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 dun. And I, would, I would always, there you go. And I would always say, uh, our, our organist, Nancy Heidelberg, is 93 years old today. A big hand for Nancy Heidelberg. <laughs> And I make up fake commercials like, um, the sixth inning is brought to you by Steel Berries Athletic Protectors. You're not safe unless you've got Steel Berries. <laughs> uh, or like I, I would say, like, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Quality. I would say, like, uh, the fourth inning is brought to you by your homework. Have you done it lately? <laughs> um, and I would announce, like, Bloody Mary drink specials at the Snack Shack, which, of course, we didn't have, but... A little, it being a little league game. Yeah, yeah. But the parents would be like, what? 50 cents? <laughs> this game just got a lot more fun. Well, John C. Riley, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure. Lovely to have you again. Thank you. Up next, Kristen Chenoweth. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wild Card wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Folks, my next guest is a Tony and Emmy award-winning actor, singer, and Broadway star, Triple Threat. Please welcome 
Christians Chenoweth. Isn't it lovely to be in front of a live oh, audience? Oh, it's yes. like water in a desert. Now, uh, people, people may not, people may not know this, but you and I first met. We were both in this <laughs> movie called uh, There You Go, uh, Bewitched in 2005. Um, I, I spent, uh, I think, 52 days, and I appear in 45 seconds Wait. in in this movie. But I just remember you were so lovely to hang out with. You were such a lovely presence and so nice yeah. to me. Well. Did you have any lines? Because I don't think you did. <laughs> I think I had two. I think I had two lines. Yeah. Well, were they? Yes. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Oh, I think I say. I think I say to uh, uh, the Samantha character. I think I say uh, we changed your line because <laughs> I play one of the writers That's of the exactly. TV series Bewitched. Yeah. Okay, so I have a story that you'll. I don't know if you remember, but I want to tell it because he was this. This is the man that he is on the set. I'm a famous gum chewer. This is embarrassing. Chew and just with my mouth open. And Nora yells, okay, you know, places and getting ready this to is roll. Nora Efron. Yeah, Nora Efron. Rolling, and I'm like, smacking away. And he goes, gum. You remember? And I, you don't remember? And I go, what do I do? And you, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And I went, and you took it. Anytime, anytime you need. I'm there. You just call me. I'll, I'll take your gun. It was yeah. the sweetest thing, and now I'm not done. See, I haven't had the only audience I've had is my dog. Okay, so <laughs> what I want to tell you next is a few years later, we're on the red carpet. You and your wife, and who is I like her a lot. Anyway, too. I'm like, hi y'all, hi, and I'm probably going, right? So he goes, so um, I might be getting my own. A show. And I, I said, oh, that's so sweet. Good luck, you know. <laughs> Here we are. I'm so happy for you. Thank you very much. Thank you, you deserve it. Thank you very much. You deserve it. Now, you, you clearly love being in front of an audience. <laughs> no, I hate it. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, a Broadway star, you tour, um, you've got a, a master's in opera performance. Yes. Uh, what have you, how was it like to be away from an audience for two years? Were you, like, just singing to the dog? I was singing to my dog, Thunderpup. I was singing... Thunderpup? Thunder after the NBA. Okay, sure. Thunder. Sure. 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 Hello, uh, Russell Westbrook. Thanks for leaving. Kevin Durant, hope you're happy. Um, anyway, I, I found myself using Clorox and cleaning and doing high notes. Just like clean and high note. Just clean, high note. And then my fiancé was like, oh, you should do this on... TikTok. I'm like, what is TikTok? TikTok. He's younger than me. Anyway, he's taught me a lot. And he said, let's do the high notes. So I started just doing, and they just kind of get. How high are we talking about? I can. Really? 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 I think Jean Baptiste deserves a high note. Give me a D. Hi, D. D. That's one up from a. That's one up from a high C. Okay. I think Stephen Colbert deserves one half step up. Give me the E flat. I. I for one. You asked what I'm I did. I'm glad I've already had my children because I think you just <laughs> sterilized me. 
with the power of that note. That's when is ear. it appropriate? When is it appropriate just to pop out one one note? All like the time. That? I feel mm. as if it's all the time. Doesn't scare. Doesn't frighten the children in the neighborhood. When oh, you do this? it scares everyone. Mm. I one time at C. This is a true story, and I know you know me, but I was in CVS with my mask on, and it's and y'all are all here with your masks on. Thank you, but I I, I could not breathe, and I couldn't find my one lash to dress up for myself. And I thought, I deserve a high note. And here I go, the high note. And my fiance's like, in CVS, must you? Must you do it? I hope he, I hope he signs the prenup. Josh, I love you. You originated, you originated, of course, as everyone knows, the role of Glinda in Wicked. And now, speaking of high notes, they're making a movie with Ariana Grande uh, playing your part. And I understand you've known Ariana since she was little. Ten years old. Wow. She came backstage to, she came to see uh, Wicked with her Nona, her grandma. And she said, I want to be you. And I thought, again, like I did with you, oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and Nona says, Ariana, sing for her. And she doesn't remember this, but I remember everything. Still trap mine. And she sang a little something, and I went... You have to have something of mine. You're, you're just so good. I gave her hand soap. I gave her a fake wand, a little fake wand. And here we sit all these years later. I've, I've known for a while. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it, the full circle moment has happened. And mm -hmm. that the right person is going to be handing the, 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 the crown and the wand. And I'm so happy. Have you given her any advice? I, as far as advice goes for the, for the role, I said, I know everything there is to know about Glenda, so there's nothing I can tell you that you won't learn on your own. And just the, maybe two days ago, she texted me something that I will not say. She goes, did you know this about Glenda? And I went, no. <laughs> so the, 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 the teacher become, becomes a student again. And well, I love lovely. that. I love it. Now, this is another lovely thing. You have now written uh, a new children's book. It's called... What will I do with my love today? Mm -hmm. What's it about? It's about me and Thunderpup <laughs> in New York. There you go. I'm much, I was much uh, younger, short, same height. You were much younger when you were, <laughs> when you were a exactly. child. Yes, exactly. Yes. But I was a, I'm an adopted person, and um, I rescued my dog, Thunder. And so it's about how we can rescue each other, and that we might not all look the same families and talk the same. My pa parents are engineers, and they shouldn't sing ever, ever, should they ever, ever sing. And I don't do math, but this is, the book is about family and love, and the more love you put up, the more you get back. Uh, a lesson we could all take to heart. Especially now. Kristen, it was so lovely to Thanks see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the high notes. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Pod Show, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube.